Welcome to the Econ Dev Show. We explore the strategies, ideas, and insights that are driving economic development forward into the future. You'll hear new insights from passionate EDs about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from attraction and retention experts about how to apply actionable strategies inside your EDO. We'll help take your organization, your community, and your career to the next level. Here's your host, Dane Carlson. Welcome back to the Econ Dev Show podcast. This is Dane Carlson. A few months ago, I was asked to be a guest on the EcDev Podcast Network. The EcDev Network is a podcast that's recorded on Clubhouse. And Clubhouse, if you don't know, is sort of a social media app that's built around voice. There are sort of rooms, and uh, within the rooms you have uh, speakers sort of on a virtual stage, and then you have an audience that's sort of sitting and watching. Normally, the hosts on the stage can speak. And the audience raises their hand and is given permission to speak. So it's pretty fun because everybody can ask questions or, or make comments. It's hosted by Dan Taylor, Laura Freights, and Bob Minhas. And I was very honored to have the opportunity to speak to them. Uh, the conversation you're about to hear was recorded in July of 2021. I hope that you enjoy it. Thanks. Okay, welcome to the ECDEV Network on Wednesday, July the 14th. Uh, my name is Dan Taylor, and I am a co-host on the ECDEV Network, along with Lara Fritz, who's here today, and Bob Minhas, who is off on assignment. Um, a little background on me. I'm the Economic Development Catalyst for the town of Innisfil, and I'm also a strategic advisor and guide. Um, for those in the economic development profession. I'm going to hand it over to you for an intro, Lara, and then if you want, I can do the run-through, or you can, however you'd like to handle it, my friend. Well, I'll tee us up today. How about that? Great. Fabulous. I'm Lara Fritz, and I am an economic development champion. Uh, thrilled to be here today to talk about blogging, podcasting uh, with the economic development professionals. So, a um, couple things you should be aware of when joining Clubhouse. Uh, one, your mic goes live, so it's important that when you to put yourselves on mute. The second thing to know is you can invite friends to join this conversation by pressing the plus button down at the bottom. Um, by adding friends, uh, you can also invite them up to the stage. Uh, last but not least, we have the hand sign with the notepad. That means that if you have a question, if you hit that button, one of the people with the green dots, Dan, Lara, or Dean, can bring you up to the stage to ask a question or provide your thoughts and input. A um, couple other things to remember. Um, one, after you've made a comment, make sure that you end with, I'm Lara and I'm done speaking, or your name, I'm done speaking. It's important to do that to make sure that. Um, those that um, maybe have uh, hearing challenges or have um, other perception issues know who's speaking at each, um, each time. Also, you may see mics blinking like Dan is doing right now. That is an applause. 
if you see a slow blinking, that means that one of the speakers on the stage has something they'd like to add to the conversation. So um, with that, Dan, did I cover everything? I believe you did. Did you mention that we're recording? Oh, no, but thank you. And yes, as a friendly reminder, this is being recorded as we do like to deploy this um, as a podcast as well. Um, with that, Dan, you're okay. I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Dean. And I see uh, Martin has something he'd like to add. So we'll bring him up to the stage while Dan is, or Dean is introducing himself. Dean, turning it over to you. Well, thank you very much. Uh, my name is Dane Carlson. I am the Director of Economic Development uh, for Galveston County, Texas, and I'm also the host and publisher of the Econ Dev Show. Uh, the Econ Dev Show is a uh, newsletter blog and podcast about economic development um, from the economic development field. Uh, other than that, I don't know what else to say. This is my first time at the clubhouse. I'm super excited. And uh, thank you for having me. Dane, it's, it's, it's great to have you here. Uh, Laura, so, Laura did, sorry, did you want to say something? No, I was going to say the same thing. Great to have you here, Dane. Yeah, it's great. So you got, I love the modern world. Um, Dane and I met, I think, on LinkedIn. I, I saw that he was up to some interesting things and we started having a great conversation. So uh, I really enjoyed our, our our chat a little while back, Dan, and I thought we could kick off the show with, um, you can go back further if you like. I don't know that history, but the history I do know is that um, you were a blogger in California, and uh, that got you into uh, economic development. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about being a blogger and then how that got you into economic development. Why don't we start there? Sure, absolutely. So all the way back in uh, early 2000s, um, 2001 to be exact, I started a blog about uh, franchises and business opportunities and uh, things like that. And, and, you know, I was sort of exploring this new medium of blogs. And truthfully, it was before they were even called blogs. They were called web blogs in those days. It was a sort of blog of your explorations of the World Wide Web. And I created this website and I, and I was posting to it regularly and, and exploring the internet. The internet was a much uh, smaller, friendlier place in those days. And it seemed like I knew a lot of people in a lot that were running, you know, these specific websites. And so it was a, it was a very friendly sort of thing. And that continued on for a few years. Until Google introduced uh, Google AdSense and Google AdWords, Google AdSense was the is the program by which um, publishers can put Google ads on their websites. So I think that was about uh, um, late uh, single digits in the two thousands, and I, I put Google ads on my website. Uh, I'd always sort of been entrepreneurial, come from an entrepreneurial family, always been you know trying to make money on the internet, um, had never succeeded, but I put these ads on the website and, um, you know, promptly forgot about them. And a couple of days later, I logged in to check to see how much, uh, revenue the site had generated, thinking it was going to have generated, you know, 10 cents or 20 cents. And it had generated 20 or $30 each day. And that was just sort of mind blowing. So 
from then on, I focused exclusively on this um, blog. And I, like I said, I blogged about business opportunities, franchises, um, uh, offered tips and ideas for entrepreneurs. I would share business ideas that were taking place uh, in one part of the world with entrepreneurs in another part of the world. Um, I like to say that I helped connect um, ideas, capital, and execution from all over the world. And it was an incredibly successful uh, blog. Had, you know, 30,000 people who got my email newsletter every single morning. Um, had hundreds of thousands of breeders. Uh, it was it was huge. And so that was, that was a really fun experience. Got me, got a lot of exposure to all kinds of different parts of the world. Traveled around the country and uh, um, advertisers paid for me to come speak and do videos and be a part of all kinds of things that I, that, you know, were, were, were out there and were opportunities. But where I was in California, none of those things were sort of taking place. I mean, we had the, we had the, we had the internet and we had web 1.0 and then we had the beginnings of web 2.0. But I was exposed to this huge wide world of, um, business and entrepreneurship and um, all these unique ideas taking place. Well, in about 2015, eventually I sold the website. And um, in this time, we had my family and I, my wife and my three sons and I, we had moved up to my wife's hometown, which was this little tiny town in the foothills of California, sort of on the east side, just outside of Yosemite National Park. And um, we lived in this very small town. My wife homeschooled the children. We didn't have a lot of interaction with the community. But after I sold, I sort of had to rethink about what I was going to do now after having um, been so intimately involved with the rest of the world on the internet. I thought, you know what? It would be fun to do something local. So there was a, um, a job opening for the chamber of commerce. And it, you know, it paid practically nothing in this little tiny town. And I told my wife, I'm going to take this job. It'll be, it'll be fun. We'll, we'll try this out. See what, see what happens. And it was super fulfilling for me. It was super rewarding being able to help entrepreneurs and uh, small businesses in this community. It turned out that, you know, they were all uh, selling to each other and uh, trying to make a living selling to the 10 or 15,000 people that lived in this community when um, what they had as a real natural resource were the um, half a million cars that drove through Main Street, right down Main Street, stopped at the two stop signs in town. Just the, the community was so small, it didn't have a single stoplight in the entire county. And but they, these tourists were on their way to Yosemite National Park. And I thought, you know what? This is our natural resource. This is what we have to, everybody in the community needs to take advantage of. And so I went from being this champion of the local business and the local business community, like you do as a as the Chamber of Commerce, to being the guy who was um, promoting this idea that we have to become something else. We have to grow. We have to, turned out, it was economic development. We had to, we needed to develop the community. And so I did that. And uh, that was that was exciting and it was fun. And ultimately it ended up um, getting us thrown out of there. And I'm, I'm sure that you're going to have questions about that. But that's sort of the sort of roundabout way I came into economic development. Eventually I moved to Texas where economic development is a uh, not a bad word. And 
um, you know, people like it and, uh, nobody, um, gives me snot, gives me dirty looks when I take my wife out to dinner. So it's, it's fantastic, but, um, I'll stop there. That's, that's basically my introduction. Dane, that's, that's great. Um, and, uh, uh, Martin, I see you there. Did you want to ask a question at the moment? Happy to entertain that if you do. Oh, he may be gone. If you if you're not aware, your mic is off, Martin. I'm sorry. No I, problem. I see this mic on there. Um, I, I just had a technical question. I'm sorry. No problem. I, I, the first time I've been on this is is, is a micro um, are our microphones on all the time or when you're up on, yeah when you're up on stage uh, when you come up on stage it's on and then you press the mic button at the bottom and you'll see uh Lara's picture her mic is off yep. at the moment yeah is that is that okay. is that the only yeah, question no, I have to... I'm typing and doing things I don't want to be that guy you know so <laughs> no problem yeah when you're in the audience Marty um we can't hear you at all got it so like we're got Rumi, emily super dave and tony are uh we can't hear them it's only got when it. okay. you come up to the stage that we hear you and we raise our hand to do that correct yeah exactly okay thanks thank you thanks martin sorry for the interrupt happy to help yeah so thank you so dane you 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 teased us and left us hanging a little bit um I, I certainly feel I, I've been on the verge of being run out of town a few times, uh, never actually run out of town. Do you, do you care to elaborate on that? And um, what did you do and what did they do? <laughs> Please share. Sure, absolutely. So um, basically, like I said, I realized that the half a million cars full of cash driving down Main Street were the natural resource. And so I set out to uh, systematically um, convince everyone that they needed to change their focus from serving the local community uh, to serving these these tourists and, and uh, take advantage of that. And my pitch was basically that there's only, um, you know, a few hundred businesses in this community. There's only a you know, 10,000 people in this community. And if we, there was always this huge emphasis on buy local, shop local. And I love shop local and I would never say anything bad about it, except that um, in a small community, shopping local exclusively doesn't work. Ultimately, what ends up happening is if you try to keep all of the money in the community, um, it just, as it spins around, it never grows. And then it it just shrinks because money does have to flow out of the community, even if that's money to um, taxes or um, resources that you can't purchase in the community or um, things like that. I basically use the analogy of the desert island. If, the, if there's three of us on the desert island and we only buy and sell from each other, eventually we're all going to start to death because eventually things are going to flow out and, and there's no new inputs to the system. So I really push this. And I pushed this in all kinds of different ways. Um, the most obvious was I said, you know, you need to sell things and, and provide services and uh, provide experiences to these tourists who are traveling through. So I encouraged businesses that were, you know, selling um, pottery, let's say, to uh, develop a experiential um, opportunity in their store so that people could come in and, and they could 
uh, participate in making pottery or they could watch someone making pottery or they could, um, you know, have something custom crafted for them. And, you know, that that kind of stuff went over pretty well. The second thing that I did was that I told um, or what the second thing that I did was I told um, all of the businesses, you know what, we need to go out and we need to find all of the small businesses in our community. We need to we need to locate them. The 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 county got a grant from the um, the USDA, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, uh, for some kind of a local shop local kind of program. And I said, instead of making this thing where we buy and sell just from each other, let's think of these small businesses here in the community as um, exporters. So we sat down at the table and said, okay, how many local small businesses can we think of? Or how many local businesses at all? It didn't have to be small. Um, can we think of? And everyone sort of made a list. And we had about 10 um, manufacturing businesses on this list. And we thought, okay, well, if we can find 10 more, then we'll have 20 and we can, we can um, uh, promote that. So we built, we started out, instead of going out finding the businesses first, we built its website. And it was called uh, Made in this, the Community dot com, and it was a fantastic website. We made this. Um, we had a video made that was an excellent video showcasing sort of the artisan craftsmanship of the you know handful of businesses that we knew of, and we put it out there. This new website, this new video. We said we're going to host a meeting. We got it in the newspaper. We got it on social media, and we got people to come who um, had small businesses and these were small businesses that were in there. You know, they were, they were sitting in front of the television or sitting in the, at the kitchen table in the evening, handcrafting something or making something. And they had a website and they were, you know, they were trying to sell. And suddenly overnight we had um, almost 200, we'd identified almost 200 local small businesses that were, that were manufacturers that were making things. And so we put them on the website. We had this huge grant thing, and it was this huge, fantastic experience. Well, um, we used that, and we said, you know what? We're going to sell to the tourists. We're going to do that. And none of these very tiny, small businesses were members of the local chamber of commerce. Not a single one of them. And that was sort of the beginning of, oh, wait, there's going to be some problems here because I was telling the local businesses that were members of the Chamber of Commerce that, hey, you're doing something wrong. You should be selling to these other people and not, and not to the, just the locals. And I brought it in hundreds of new small businesses. And I think it was about that moment that the local community realized um, that I wasn't a local, that I wasn't you know, that I wasn't born and raised in this small town and that I had these sort of outside experiences. And so um, at that point, things began to turn. And, you know, I'd bring in consultants and the consultants would say this, you know, um, make every, get, get as many businesses as you can onto Main Street. Don't, um, don't emphasize or don't put things off of Main Street. Don't put things, you know, three miles down the road at the, at the, at the fairgrounds where they've always historically been had, move, move them from the fairgrounds to downtown. So suddenly I'm the guy saying this beloved fairgrounds that the community has is no good. We need to have it. We need to have everything in the downtown section. Suddenly I'm the guy who's telling businesses that are, you know, off the beaten track that they need to move into the downtown where the cars are. 
and I'm the bad guy because I'm telling everybody to do stuff wrong. So it was, it was a slow process. And at first it was, it was manageable, but, um, ultimately by the end, you know, I was probably, um, the most beloved person in the community and the most hated person in the community at the same time. So it, it was a, uh, it was an experience. So, ba- so basically you were doing an economic development job, but unfortunately with under the guise of being the chamber of commerce and they had a bit of a disconnect with, with what you were doing. So did they literally chase you out of town or you weren't a local and they said, what was the pressure point? And then, and let's move on to your journey towards Texas. Sure. So, oh, um, they, they literally, um, they were in the process about the same time that I got the, that I, uh, realized that this is all going to go awry. And this is not something that, uh, my wife wanted to deal with any longer. I mean, it was, it was to the point where we couldn't go out to eat in this small town, like all, entre- all economic developers have this issue. You live in a community, you work in a community and you, and you, um, you know, you want to have these sort of off hours where you want to take your wife, you want to go out to dinner, you want to enjoy it. And, you know, that not that I would be accosted, but everybody would recognize me. Everybody knew everything that was happening all of the time. And there were some people who didn't like what we were up to and what I was up to and other people who did. But you just never had any anonymity. You never had any sense that you could turn off. And, um, you know, that, that, that's a challenge. So I, we had realized, okay, this is a problem and this is not being as well uh, received as it is intended. And so we need to start uh, figuring out what, where we want to move and what we want to do elsewhere. So ultimately um, I told him, you know what, I'm going to depart and um, you know, I'll hang around for another month and we'll, we'll figure everything out. And they, um, my board and the community just immediately turned on me. You know, nobody gave me a, uh, going away party. Nobody said farewell and good luck. The, you know, the chamber board got together and they were like, boom, you're out of here right now. And, uh, you know, give us your keys and we'll escort you out of the building. And, you know, it was, it was just this like very traumatic experience. I mean, it should have been when we were leaving, we were going to go somewhere else and think, do greater things. And it should have been a joyous experience. And, you know, I had, I had done so much and I had been so invested in this community and they just were like, get out of here and don't let the door hit you on the way out. It's a, it's a tough game, eh? the economic development world. Lara, yeah. I'm just going to reset the room and then it looks like you might want to uh, make Yeah, okay. that would be great. Super. So thanks, everybody. We'll do a quick reset. Um, uh, this call is being recorded, so be mindful of that. Please follow anybody that is uh, in our audience or on stage. They're all great speakers. Uh, if you want to come up and speak, there's a pad at the bottom with a hand raise. Press that and you can come up if you want to invite anybody to our conversation. Uh, press the plus sign. When you come up on stage, be mindful that your mic will be on and uh, press the mic in the bottom right-hand corner to turn it off. Lara, any other pertinent things or is that a good reset? No, I think that's a perfect reset. Um, so, Dean, you know, love sort of hearing 
your trajectory in economic development, how you got into the field, and then, how, you know, what sort of was the preface for you going to Texas? We're hearing a lot about companies looking to move from California to Texas. I think every day the state of Texas is posting something uh, about um, companies moving. What do you think is the secret sauce in Texas for these companies relocating? You know, maybe the, give me the top five that you think are the, the secret sauce. Well, I think that um, Texas has a reputation of being a business-friendly state. And I think that um, in a lot of parts of the U.S. today, um, their businesses on the ground are seeing that it is um, becoming increasingly, their localities are becoming increasingly hostile to, to business. And it's not necessarily that they're becoming hostile. It's just that it feels like to, to many business owners that um, they're being penalized for being successful. Uh, in California, for instance, they, they have been raising the minimum wage for about the last five years or four or five years. And they were raising it from about $10 an hour to $15 an hour. And, you know, whether you're in favor of that or not, it doesn't doesn't matter. But what the way they went about it was if you had a certain number of employees, if you, you had, you had one minimum wage. And if you had a uh, slightly larger number of employees or more, you had another minimum wage. And so there was an incentive for, for businesses that could to lay off as many employees as possible so that they were under the limit and they could pay less. And, you know, that kind of behavior, um, by a, by a state, by locality, you know, is detrimental. It, it, it implies that we don't want the businesses here to succeed. We, we want you to um, stay small and remain how you are. And that's, you know, they, they, they come to Texas to get away from that. They come to Texas to get away from, um, you know, high rates of taxation. Texas has no um, income tax. That's a, that's a big draw. I think that we're just... Um, we we're, we have this image of being um, pro business, and you know I think that's true. That that's completely true. I but I think that um, you know that that's a, that's a huge emphasis. Now I don't think that's the real reason ultimately that that people are moving to Texas though. Businesses are moving to Texas. I think ultimately the reason that businesses are moving to Texas is because businesses are moving to Texas. I think that um, success follows success and. Nobody wants to be doing um, necessarily something different. They want to go where where other businesses are successful. So um, I I think that you know it changes sometimes. Sometimes some parts of the are seeing success and and businesses flock there. But ultimately, the big thing that's driving business growth to Texas is that businesses are moving to Texas and businesses are starting up here. Dean, I'm. I'm wondering if you could share. So I'm going to call you kind of a self-made um, economic developer, meaning you you kind of made up that rule for yourself in the small town. Um, what's the what's the one big thing that you either took away or the skill that you learned that you've applied in Galveston? That would uh, that be quite interesting, I think, for our listeners. Sure. Absolutely. I think that, um, the skill that I brought, 
Um, well, t- I think there's a couple things that are that were really important and that, that are sort of unique. One of them is that I brought from being a blogger and uh, writing about different businesses and uh, business ideas and, and people from all over the world um, was telling stories. Economic development is a sales job, and it's all about telling stories and uh, connecting with an audience. And so I've, I've brought that. And I think that the more stories you tell, the more, um, the more stories that you draw out of a community, the better. And I think that, um, I think that's, that's a huge thing. Secondly, I think that, um, yesterday I was on a call with super Dave, who's in the audience right now. And, and he had an excellent point, um, that, Hold on. I just forgot where I was going to go. I apologize. Um, I think that anyway, I think I think it's telling stories. And it's not being the center of the story yourself. It's making everybody else the center of the story. That's not the point that Super Dave made. And I got um, that's going to come to me in a second. But um, tell other people stories and let and get out of the way and not need and don't need to take credit for everything. Because the truth of the matter is, as economic developers, we do all kinds of things. We do all kinds of work. And then ultimately, there's a groundbreaking and a bunch of people in um, that a bunch of elected officials get up and take credit for all the work that we've done. And we're off in the corner. And if, our, if the photo gets taken, we're off in the very, very you know, far edges of the uh, of the picture. And we have to be OK with that. We have to be OK with this idea that we are not the most important person in the room all the time, even though we're the ones that do all the work. So I think that's, that's super important. Uh, um, uh, just a moment. That, yeah, no, that's great, Dane. Um, the uh, storytelling is, is key. I've actually, um, I'm with you. I've built my career on that. We'll ask if Dave wants to come up in a bit, maybe he can refresh our memory. But in the meantime, Harumi, uh, you've come up. Did you have a question you wanted to ask Dane? Yes, I do. Hi, Dane. Hi, Dan. Laurel, thank you so much for um, bringing me up here. I truly enjoy this new fascinating story. And I know it's quite fascinating in Korea. So what I found myself relatable. And so thank you so much for sharing. I wanted to, I was curious about the blog that you made uh, back then that you shared earlier. Uh, what are the topics did you discuss or like focus in? Like, was it an interactive format of platform? I was curious about that since um, our today's theme was the blogging. So I was wondering if they, you could um, elaborate and share with us a little bit more about the blog that you made back then. Sure. Um, so it began as basically me posting interesting things that I found on the internet. Uh, businesses, business ideas. I would highlight stories that I would find in the news about um, entrepreneurs in interesting places. I really always enjoyed finding stories about entrepreneurs and, and small businesses that took two um, different aspects of business and combined them. And I always use as the example um, the tire shop that uh, found success by opening an ice cream parlor inside the tire shop. And so this business was a 
you know, it was a tire shop in a small town and, and, you know, had a lot of people waiting and st- sitting around waiting for their tires to be changed and get the new tires put on. And they found this great success by opening an ice cream parlor in the same, um, you know, in the same establishment. So the people that were waiting could buy the ice cream. Well, this story originally took place in South Africa and I shared it and it got a lot of traction. And in the United States, in a number of small communities, um, entrepreneurs and small business people copied the idea and they did exactly the same thing. They opened up ice cream parlors in their um, tire shops or connected to their tire shops or their other little shops. And this idea was a, this thing could, could spread. And none of these people were competing with each other because they were all in little tiny small towns. But um, they were able to connect these ideas um, that, that the entrepreneurs you know, had in various parts of the world. So then I would do that. And then I would write about um, franchises and business opportunities. Franchises are businesses basically that you purchase, uh, you pay a, a licensing fee and you, and you get it. You know, uh, a McDonald's is a franchise, a Subway is a franchise. So that's a huge industry in and of itself. And business um, opportunities are basic, are very similar. Licensing uh, restrictions are less and there's some other differences. Um, and then I wrote about different uh, business ideas that were profiled in various places and um, uh, financing opportunities. And then ultimately I had all these readers and I had 20 or 30,000 daily readers uh, um, who subscribed to my mailing list, got, got an email from me every single morning. And I would help them individually as they, you know, were looking for things. If they were looking for um, capital, if they were looking for a partner, if they were looking for someone to connect with. And ultimately we had, we had a forum on the website and so they would help each other. So that was interactive. They would, um, you know, connect with each other, but I felt like all these people were my friends. And in fact, I mentioned, um, that one of the stories I want to tell here is the, the, um, I let my readers name two of my children. Um, you know, we were so intimately connected that I said, you know what? My wife is pregnant with child number two and we need some names. And we had, um, for child number two, we had 1,500 suggested names. And for child number three, we had about 700 suggested names. And we actually chose our children's names out of the list of suggestions. So that was super exciting. And, and we felt close. And, you know, we were, it was like we were friends. That's, uh, that's great, Dan. Good for you. That's, that's quite brave. Um one of the things that's quite apparent uh, is uh, your interest and perhaps even like natural aptitude towards connecting people and networking. Uh, and I, I don't remember the exact um, terminology you use, but I, I know you want to be one of the most connected economic developers anywhere. Maybe you could share that goal and then talk to us about um, what you're doing there. I know you're doing podcasting. I see you do some posts on LinkedIn that that our info share. Tell us a little bit what you're doing there, and then how that might relate to other economic developers in their work. Sure. Well, as I've you know, since I came into economic development, sort of through the back door, realized I was a uh, uh, doing economic development, had no idea what I was doing. I I went to the uh, I attended the University of Oklahoma's Economic Development uh, Institute and got and got training. And as while I was there, since I didn't know anything, but I had been, you know, successful in other things and I wasn't, you know, just a spring chicken. I was, you know, I, I had, I had been around. I thought, you know what? I need to ask all these people 
who are young, successful um, economic developers, you know, what, it, what they know, what are, the, what are their secrets? And so as I talked to people, what I found was that none of them had sorts of tools and, and resources to recommend, which is what I was expecting that they would have. And instead, what they said is the greatest resource are other people, are other economic developers. You know, it's who, nothing is more true in economic development than who you know. And so um, as I've grown in this, in this field, I thought, you know what, that is the most important thing. It really is about who you know. So uh, earlier this year, I started the Econ Dev Show, econdevshow.com. And it is, um, as I mentioned earlier, it is a blog because I'm a blogger. It is a newsletter because I like to send out emails and it is a podcast, which is something that I've never done. Um, I, I never liked talking. Um, and you know, that it's been interesting. I don't like to talk about myself and here we are talking about myself and that was something I never enjoyed at all. But, um, it, it, I did it so that I would be forced or I would have a reason to economic developers um, and others in the industry from all over the world. So I started this this podcast. I think we're up to episode. I just recorded episode 11 uh, with Super Dave Quinn, who's in the audience now yesterday, and that'll come out next week. But I have an opportunity being now to sit down with all these people and say, you know what, tell me um, you know, everything there is to know. And it's been an exciting experience because I feel like I've gotten to talk to people that necessarily I didn't didn't necessarily have a reason to talk to before um, or didn't have an excuse to talk to before. And now I just say, hey, you want to be on my podcast? I'd love to talk to you. And, and, you know, they say yes. And that that's exciting. So I that's been really fun. And I'm, you know, I'm really looking forward to growing in that. I've always listened to podcasts and I listen to podcasts at, you know, two and a half, three times speed. So that's been uh, a challenge to um, uh, sort of speak at a speed that's normal as opposed to this sort of elevated speed that I listen to podcasts on. Um, and so that, but that's been that thing. And then the other piece that I've been doing um, is I monitor the news for mentions of economic developers. Monitor, you know, I search for economic development on Google and I have a Google alert set up that feeds into an RSS reader and it sends me every week. I get all the times that anybody who's an economic developer gets mentioned in the news. And I've started putting that together. I call it the economic development and developers in the news. And I publish that every week. I just published one today. Um, and it's about, it's about 20 minutes to read the whole thing each week for, for the readers. And it has every, economic developer I found that week on the internet and what they're doing and where they are. And, you know, here's their, uh, a link to them on LinkedIn. And it's just really exciting to be able to see what's happening again in all these communities all over the world, see what kinds of economic development projects they're doing, see what the community considers a success, see what, in some cases, the, the community doesn't care for or maybe is fighting against, but just to see what's happening. And I, I would really hope that that everybody would subscribe and read that. You know, there's not always stuff that is um, necessarily relevant to you. If you're in Florida, what's happening in the state of Washington isn't necessarily relevant to you. But there is, you know, there's ideas and, and opportunities to connect there. And I think that I think it's super useful. And I think it's something that's totally been missing in our industry. And I thought, you know what, I have the skills. I can do this. So that's what I do. Dane, that's 
That's awesome. Um, wh- like, why why do you do it? I'm cu- I'm curious. I think uh, I think uh, what I've learned uh, with this uh, clubhouse call and doing parallel things, you know, exactly the same. Is there seems to be this huge appetite for uh, economic developers to connect with each other beyond sort of the the IEDC type conferences, etc. Um, what's like what's driving you to do it? What's your what's your modus operandi? Well, I think that, like you said, um, everybody wants to connect with everybody else there. Historically, we have some, we have some conferences, we get together, we see people, um, at those, you know, those times. And I think if COVID taught us anything, it's that the most important thing is connection. We need this ability to connect. And like you said, I want to be the most connected economic developer that there is, because if the greatest resource in economic development is who, you know, then if I know the most people, you know, I'm the most effective economic developer there is. So in a sense, I am uh, planning ahead for, you know, the rest of my career by, by meeting everyone in all these different places. Uh, but in another sense, I'm better for my local community when I have resources to call upon that are at, that maybe are off the beaten track or that are, um, that you wouldn't necessarily think to, to utilize. You know, I, I've, I've gotten to meet all kinds of interesting folks. And I, I think that other people need this same experience. They need to, um, and they want to, they want to expand their network and they want to grow it. And, you know, podcasting and, and my newsletter, all that, I, I hope that it's, it's helpful for people. I just, I don't know, I guess I'm a natural connector. I guess that I am a natural sharer of information. Um, you know, when I was a kid, my dream, I had this dream of what my job was going to be in the future. And it was going to be that I was going to sit in this sort of like smoky, um, uh, Turkish bazaar somewhere behind a beaded curtain. And people were going to come to me and ask me questions, uh, ask me questions. They would, you know, they needed information and, and they would pay me and I would provide them this information. I think maybe it was like sort of this weird cross between being a a detective or a spy or, or something seedy like that. But it turns out that, that being a, a blogger, being a, being a connector, being a podcaster, it's exactly that. It's getting to provide this information, getting to provide a connection to other people. It, it turns out it was just sort of what I always wanted to do in life. Yeah, that's, that's great. I see that, uh, that Dave has joined us. Uh, Dave, do you want to either ask Dane a question or have a little banter about your guys' experience together on the podcast? Yeah, so, man, I'd just like to say Dane is really good on something I think that uh, is been needed for years in the industry. You know, it's these events that we come to. A lot of times the most relevant part of the event was the 30 minutes you set outside the session talking to someone from the country that was dealing with something similar and maybe attacking it from a different perspective. I'm just enjoyed getting to, to visit with Dane yesterday on the, on the podcast and, and really love what he's doing and think that uh, as an industry, we're all more people dealing type of uh, connecting what you're doing, Dan, and your team, uh, this platform, uh, think of how we've leveraged technology to provide economic developers who are working in the middle of nowhere. You may not have the budget to uh, engage in IEBC or IEMC or some of these larger uh, organizations, but through this platform, we're now able to hear stories and get 
hope and, and uh, inspiration of how they might be able to impact uh, their little community uh, and all from, you know, just their phone. This is incredible. So just I'm happy and grateful to be a part of the conversation and I uh, look forward to this continuing. Thanks, Dave. That's great. Dane, I, I listened to uh, part of one of your earlier uh, podcasts earlier in the season, and it was a, a consultancy. Uh, I'm trying to remember, and they even have like a a subscription model, if you will, of um, providing training and information. So I have a two-part question. Maybe part one is, can you talk a little bit about that group and what they do? And then talk to me a little bit more about maybe how the podcast is helping individuals or the profession. Uh, and I know you're not here to solve the profession's issues, but you're making, a, I think, a contribution just like Lara and Bob and I are on Clubhouse. That'd be great. Thanks, Dane. Sure. So um, that was the next move group. The next move group, uh, Chad Chancellor and Alex uh, Metzger is a site selection economic development consultant and um what's the word uh uh you hire them to to find your employee uh corp company and they are based in uh, uh louisiana Ale uh, chad is in louisiana and alex is in missouri but uh they, they they were two economic developers and they wanted to um they thought you know what this thing that we've been doing for these small towns we can do for everybody and so they're they're out to help um, small communities and small businesses um, grow and develop and, and, you know, become stronger. And so one of the things that they discovered during COVID was that there was this great need for instruction um, in the entrepreneurial or in the economic development space and in, and in, in an entrepreneurial space, but in the economic development space. And so they've been publishing videos. They have a, a subscription sort of membership. I don't remember exactly what it is, $100 a month or something around there. And one of the things that they provide are these videos, these training videos for your, um, for new economic developers, because, you know, economic development is, a, is an industry that is full of all kinds of jargon, full of all kinds of uh, uh, sorts of rules and, and common ways of doing things. And they sort of break it down each of these various things. And I, I think that it's, it's super useful. I, I know that I'm a subscriber to their service and I just hired a new assistant here in Galveston County. And I, the first thing I had him do was sit down for, you know, a week and a half and watch all these training videos and learn uh, at least to hear the words and sort of get an idea of what it is that we do and how it is that we do it. And I think that we, there's a huge demand for, um, more stuff like this, because the truth of the matter is, you know, we always uh, worry, especially when we, when we take a new job or we're in a new position, um, especially when we're younger, that, that we're a fraud, that we somehow got this job by, um, you know, by fraud and that who we're expected to be in our position is not, you know, who we are. We aren't, we aren't up to snuff. And, um, I think that, you know, going to training and all that is, is, is great. And, you know, it's expensive. Um, but we need more sort of ongoing handholding, especially for people at the beginning, because there's this, um, 
we have to show them, no, you're not a fraud. No, here are the things that you know, and here are the things that you know how to do. And, and you really are the economic development expert in the room when the, you know, the mayor or the, the city council or, you know, the governor, even in some states are calling upon you, you're the expert and you know, these things. And, and I think that there's, there's a huge demand for that. And I think that it, it's super useful. And I think that my podcast sort of helps in a similar sense in not only does it connect you with um, various economic developers around the country, but it, it connects you with, um, you can see that people have had similar problems to you. Other people have gone into the industry and thought, you know what, I'm, I feel like a fraud. I feel like I don't know anything, um, but really they do. And really they are able to help these businesses because, you know, we look, you know, here we are, we are, um, we work for nonprofits or we work for a, a government agency or we work for whatever, and we're doing economic development and we're helping these businesses, these businesses that have, you know, some as much as a billion dollar budget for this project they're going to do in our community. And it's like, we're just this little old bureaucrat. Well, we do really have some valuable skills and what economic development is, is, is valuable. Um, you know, I'm all about, um, uh, making things as, as free as possible in the sense that we're not coerced into anything. And I don't, I don't like the idea of the, the government mandating that you do this and, and that, but I like the idea of economic development in that we help businesses be the most efficient to best utilize their limited resources. You know, if, um, if, if we can help them do that, then they can be more efficient. If they can be more efficient, they can generate more profit. It, and ultimately, the, the workers will become richer. Um, the standard of living will improve. And we, we get to actually help, you know, individual people and individual families um, by what it is that we do. And I think we just need to promote that and we need to um, expand that. And we need to expand education and, and help everybody be better at that. That's that's great, Dane. Well, we're we're coming up on the hour, so I think we're going to wrap up shortly. This has been uh, really uh, wonderful to hear your journey of getting kicked out of town, being a, a self-created economic developer now in Galveston and connecting folks via blogs and podcasts and newsletters. Um, we've got uh, Harumi, Dave, Lara, and uh, I see Katie down there. Does a anybody want to ask any final questions? Uh, feel free to, you know, unmute your mic. And if not, we'll, we'll wrap up uh, momentarily. Lara. Um, I have to bring Dave Leeser and Super Dave. Uh, one of the questions that I had asked Dean earlier was about the California to Texas conversation. Um, and since, oh, and we lost Super Dave, uh, but maybe, David Leeser, you can share a little bit about your experience with, you know, the the difference between Texas and maybe other states you've worked in. Oh, yeah. I, I, thank you, Lauren. Uh, I, I hope everybody can hear me. Uh, I, I'm in an area that doesn't get very good reception, so uh, hopefully everybody can hear. Uh, it's kind of funny. I was talking to someone yesterday about Texas, and they kind of said, well, Texas is so easy, you know. Just everybody just goes to Texas, and, and I go. Well, the issue is this: Texas, Texas has a great reputation, and Dana is absolutely right. But what they don't realize is that 
there's a ton of great economic development groups to meet today. And you got the King, you got Lubbock, you got the Amarillo, you got DFW. So, I mean, we got competition uh, against Arizona and Florida, but there's a ton of competition here in, in Texas. You know, uh, the projects I've bought so far here have been to other Texas communities. Um, I, you know, I've been in a lot of years in the Midwest uh, prior to Texas. Uh, the I was in Missouri, and Missouri was great. But the issue with Missouri is, uh, you know, it, it's just there. You know, it, it, it Midwest, you can't say anything bad about Missouri. You can say a lot of good things about it, but it's just, you know, it. It doesn't have a it doesn't it doesn't have an anti or a pro rep, uh, reputation. It just really is kind of there, where uh, it. But I will tell you, it helps me because when you say Texas, that opens a lot of doors. But that opens a lot of doors for a lot of great people in the state of Texas. Well, yesterday the uh, you know best states for business came out, uh, Virginia ranking number one again this year, um, and Texas was a couple of notches down. Why do you think that it is? Because you're right, David. I think there is this sort of perception that everyone's moving to Texas. And I don't know if yep. it's you know, just the articles that have come out or, and Dane, love to hear your thoughts on this too. I, I mean, I'll, real quick, just for me, then I'll turn it over to Dane. Uh, you know, everybody says, look to Texas. We have no state income tax. And that's true. They don't. I and mean, that helps. But neither does South Dakota. Neither does New Hampshire. You know, uh, Florida doesn't. But the other thing about it is that when you're dealing with economic development, and you just hit on it right there, Laura, is it's workforce. And where are people moving to? It's to Texas, and it's to Arizona, and it's to Florida. So those companies are not only coming here because of the great tax benefit, but they're coming here because they have, this is where they can find the employee. And I get nothing against New Hampshire or South Dakota. They're both great states. But they're not leading people. You know, people aren't moving there. People are moving to Florida, Arizona, Texas. Right. David is absolutely right. Um, I, you know, the, post-COVID, we're uh, seeing a huge transformation in the industry. Uh, we're seeing a lot of people changing jobs and, and uh, um, things, are, things are happening. And, you know, the United States is going to become a manufacturing powerhouse. We didn't talk about that, but um, people are moving to Texas, whether they, whether they have a job or not. And businesses see that um, the the Texas Triangle from Houston to San Antonio and Austin to Dallas is you know probably going to become a, a super city in the you know relatively near future. Um, there are so many people here. You have a workforce that you can't get anywhere else in the world at this point, um, and that's that's a huge draw. So as long as people are moving to Texas, businesses are going to move to Texas. Since businesses move to Texas, people are going to move to Texas. That's that's great. And yeah, it's the good it, point. It's the it's the Richard Florida model, right? It's quality of place attracts people, and um, and businesses go where people and talent is. We're pretty well out of time, Lara. Is there anything else that you want to to state? Well, I always like to share what we have coming up because we have some great content coming up. Um, so tomorrow we're doing something special. Dan, do you want to talk a little bit about our special event tomorrow? Absolutely. Yeah, we are going global. <laughs> well, yeah. Transatlantic anyway. Yeah. So we have our first transatlantic show 
uh, uh, on speaking of workforce on workforce development and also touching on youth with Adam Jeffrey at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, which is later in the afternoon. So we're joking that people might want to grab a tea since we're uh, talking with Adam out of uh, out of the UK. And um, we're really excited about that. It's so exciting to, you know, we've done some great programs for North America with Canada and Mexico, but now to bring it over to the UK, really exciting. So uh, hopefully you'll be able to join us at 10 a.m. Eastern time for that conversation tomorrow, July 15th. On July 16th, we have another uh, installment on supply chains led by Alia Abbas out of Toronto Global. So you won't want to miss that conversation. The next week, Wednesday, the 21st, our friend David Leeser will be back along with Barbara Coffey from the city of Tucson. Um, and both are going to be talking about the incentive programs their communities have put together for remote workers. So that's going to be an outstanding conversation as well. So great stuff coming up. Hopefully you'll be able to join us. And of course, if you aren't following the ECDEM Network LinkedIn page, um, you can find all of the upcoming programs on that page. Uh, thank you, Dane. Thank you, Harimi and David for all joining us today. This was a great conversation and we'll look forward to seeing you again hopefully tomorrow. Join us. Thanks, Dane. Great to get to know you a little better. Thanks for all your time and, and storytelling. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Dana Laura. Okay. Thank Bye. you, everyone. Have a great day. Bye, guys. Thanks. Bye, everyone. Take care. Sorry, Ebony. We're just wrapping up. You've been listening to the Econ Dev Show with Dane Carlson. If you're an economic developer who never stops learning, for more expert strategies, fresh insights, and new ideas to take your career, organization, and your community to the next level, visit us on the web at econdevshow.com.